Hey, this is Jaron from the Cadillac 3, and you're listening to Ride and Talk with Andy Dukes. Let's get after it. Greetings, you all. Time to talk motorcycles and music with the band behind this awesome new song, the video of which features two of the latest R18 models. So let's take a ride to Tennessee and meet the Cadillac 3. So welcome to the podcast, guys, and apologies for the early start in Nashville. I know it's not very rock and roll, but hey, maybe some of you haven't even gone to bed yet, or at least those of you who are young kids have uh, been gotten up very early. Either way, we really appreciate you coming on. Glad to be here. All right, so how about kicking things off by introducing yourselves and telling everyone what you do in the band then? Hey, I'm Jaron. I'm the singer and guitar player. Hey, I'm Neil. I play the drums. And I'm Kelby. I play lap steel and bass. So what's the background story to how the band got its name then? Um, we, were, we were originally called the Cadillac Black, and basically that was because it sounded cool and rhymed. Um, but we kind of got into a little debacle with a band called the Black Cadillacs from Knoxville, Tennessee. And we tried to buy the name from them, couldn't do it. So we said, well, there's three of us, let's change it to the Cadillac Three. So tell us about the new song, guys. Get after it. What's the story? Which of you wrote it, or did you all write it together? Well, it, it's kind of an interesting story because our manager hit us about the opportunity to work with uh, BMW and Marshall about what, with the new motorcycle, and said they were looking for a song. And we've always kind of, ever since we started working as kids, you know, loved the idea of writing towards something. Like if somebody's like, "Hey, we got this opportunity." And so we jumped down, you know, they kind of mentioned what they were looking for. And so we, we jumped down the rabbit hole of trying to create something that would fit for the vibe of the new motorcycle, as well as like something for our brand and our, our the type of music that we make, as well as Marshall speakers. And um, Get After It's kind of what we came up with. And I think it's, you know, we kind of did a good job on it. We, uh, we jumped in with a buddy of ours, Zach Kell, and just started writing and had a blast. So what's the actual process then? Because I read somewhere that a lot of the songs that you write are written in your tour bus. Is is that like a, a usual thing or? Yeah. 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 A lot of them, you know, when we're home, we'll be spending time with family and doing other stuff, you know, writing with other people other than maybe the, the, the few of us. And uh, but with this instance, actually, it was one of the first times uh, I know Jaron and I were saying that when we were writing this song, because we did write it in Nashville and we did get together at a studio in Nashville, which is kind of the more normal way that a lot of songs get written in town, but not usually the way that we write songs. And so it was the first time we'd done that in a couple of years, probably um, partially because we just write most of our songs on the road and partially because of COVID. But um, yeah, it was fun. It was a pretty uh, easy thing. We started the song and then I guess we finished it actually on Zoom because you were down at the beach and I was down at, I was in Miami at, at the beach too. So um, yeah. You got to get used to uh, different ways of working and uh, collaborating. But how was the experience of making the music video for Get After It with all those bikes in? I, I had a blast. I thought it was I mean, I didn't really have to do much, though. You know, like, we, it's kind of the same thing. Like, every time you film a video, the three of us aren't really, like, huge fans of actually being in the video. Like, if it was our, if, if we had it our way, like, every video would basically be Lego characters of us or puppets, and we could just stay at home. I've seen the puppets. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we try to do. But this one was interesting because it felt kind of like, you know, we, we had our bus pulled up there that we travel on so we had our home outside of this place 
and we felt like we were a part of something really cool and secret, like this whole thing because they, you know, they pulled in this huge truck with the motorcycles in it. That's you can't see it. There's security everywhere because they didn't want anybody to get a look at the bikes yet. And Kelby, our, our you know, our our main guy here is the only guy in America that's written one. <laughs> so it's it's pretty cool. And then we go into this cool garage and. It kind of looked like I don't know if you guys have the um, the American Pickers TV show over there or whatever it is, uh, but it was kind of like that. So you go in this cool garage with all these old cars and motorcycles and stuff, and you're just in there playing the song over and over and over again with you know a bunch of friends watching you and drinking beer. It was a lot of it was, I had fun with this one. It was good. Yeah, there were some very very cool cars in the background. Where was that garage then? Was it in Tennessee? Yeah, or? this is Spring Hill, I think. Yeah, so about 45 minutes south of Nashville. Okay, yeah, there's some really, really cool cars. I noticed in the background there was an old MG up on the ramp, I think. I mean, I used to have one of those, and actually that's where it spent most of its life, up on the ramp. But, yeah. you know, still a great sports car back in the day. So about music videos, though, just touching on that, are they as important now as they were, say, in the early days of MTV for promoting a band and its, it's music? It's a good question, Andy, because I don't think they are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You kind of go back to that thing I was just saying, how we don't like doing it. Like, you normally, if you see, like, the benefit of something, you're really, you're like, oh, I see what we're doing here. But a lot of times it's like, man, there's no real outlet, you know? I mean, you, you see it on YouTube or whatever, but um, it was such a different thing with MTV and, you know, even like BET and CMT and all these things. I think CMT still plays a lot of videos, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Well, there's so many, there's so many more outlets now as the as the thing, you know, with the internet and you know, streaming and just all kinds of things. It's not just you don't just go to MTV for videos. You go to YouTube. You go to all kinds of different places. So it's just easy to get lost in the mix a little bit. But it's still important just because it you still want to promote your band and you know partnerships like we're doing and it's it's still an important aspect of the whole thing. But it's it could. <laughs> Jaron's kind of right. It's like yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> you don't get quite as much exposure as you may have 20 or 30 years ago and it's a lot of work it's a lot of work for sure but yeah great video to watch really enjoyed it and uh, yeah so jaron you were saying that kelby was the first or maybe the first person in the states to ride the r18 bagger is that true then kelby yeah they uh we were on the road the weekend before we shot the video and management said hey so bmw wants you to ride the bike and have an experience with the bike for you know and we're gonna fly you home a day early so we can go go uh take it out in the rural roads of uh tennessee so um i flew back on a sunday and r rode about an hour out into the end of the sticks and I actually knew some of these back roads really windy really pretty wooded roads in, in tennessee and like jaron said with the uh video they kept the bikes in the trailers uh, on either end, they closed a three mile stretch of road and they had a trailer on each side and had tents and covers on it so nobody could see it. And they, you know, pulled it into one of the tents and they said, okay, so here you go. And they looked at them and they were awesome. And they said, yeah, you're actually the first person in the United States to be able to ever get on one of these. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because they had come just from Germany straight across the across the pond to South Carolina straight to Nashville and nobody had seen them. So I was actually the very first person in the U S to be able to ride it. And which was, which was awesome. So we kind of went back and forth up this three mile stretch of road and you can see it at the beginning of the video. And it was a very special, a very special moment. It was very cool. 
I've got to ask you, what do you think of it then as a bike? Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost impossible to keep things secret these days, but they did a good job of it. So, yeah, they they tried really hard. Um, it, it was awesome. You know, it's, uh, you know, kind of a bigger bike, a touring style bike, that, but really comfortable. I was actually surprised also how how good it sounded with the the Marshall speakers in it, because I've, I've rode some some other touring style bikes that have speakers. And sometimes when you get up to speed and you try to turn it up, you, you know, it, it you get lost the volume gets lost you would think that it would sound you know huge and everything but the it actually sounded great uh going down the road and then a, a huge led not touch screen but just a visual screen in front of you that you know you don't want to pay attention to too much or you'll get lost in the whole thing but it was really you know uh it was really a comfortable bike and uh it, it was fun to ride I'll, I'll take one if they want to give me one that'd be great so uh <laughs> but <laughs> but no it was, a, it was a very very cool experience and what about the roads out there in Tennessee? What are they like for uh, motorcycling? I mean, there's a lot. It doesn't take long to get you get outside of Nashville, and all of a sudden you're you're basically in the woods. I mean, there's all kinds of different highways and and windy roads. You know, twenty thirty minutes outside of town, it gets gorgeous in any direction. So there's plenty of places to ride. And you know, if you want to go take a half day trip and just go ride fifty miles to go get a beer at some dive bar in the middle of nowhere, you you can do that. So it's it's gorgeous down here. Really love the landscape in Tennessee. And I don't think you necessarily need to answer this one. Anyone can answer this one, Kelby. But why is it that music and motorcycles go up so well together? Yeah, Motley Crue. <laughs> That's an easy one. You know, I mean, I think I think it kind of goes to the whole mentality of rock and roll. You know, you always saw like Tommy Lee on the bike riding down a hotel room hallway or hotel motel hall yeah you know or it's you know it's it's like a lot of those dudes like in nashville when songwriters would get their first big hit they would go buy a cadillac it was just kind of a thing that like hank cochran did um all, hank williams all these people did that stuff um i think in the rock and roll style of things you get your first hit you go buy a motorcycle you know what i mean so it's kind of i think they go hand in hand rock and roll and motorcycles definitely and they're in a lot of songs too they are indeed, yeah, symbolic, absolutely. Here's one for you, Neil. I've just finished reading a book by Rush drummer Neil Peart, who back in the day, I think he had his own tour bus with a trailer full of BMW motorcycles so he could ride them in between shows and discover cool places, you know, rather than flying from gig, gig to gig. Does the idea of that sort of thing appeal to any of you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know I know we've talked about it. It's We're on a bus with one trailer right now, and I think half the reason we have the goal to get to the next bus is so we can have the trailer with all the toys in it, you know? And so I think for Kelby, that'd probably be the motorcycle. I don't know what it would be for Jaren. For me, it'd be like a ping pong table, but you know, I think, I think it's definitely appealing. It's, it's funny. Cause we have, we have a band, um, really awesome Matt black golf cart that Jake Owen and country star gave us after a tour in like 2014. And it just sits in our garage. So at some point we will have, a motorcycle or two, a um, golf cart, and then we'll have above that, I guess, hanging Neil's ping pong table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need a trailer. You need all those things, absolutely. I was thinking as well, like playing drums for a living, Neil, or, or playing guitars, the rest of you, you know, for a living, I guess it does make it a bit of a risk riding a motorcycle, especially, for example, if you are in the middle of a tour or making a new album. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, these guys probably would rather me not ride a motorcycle ever or do some of the dumb stuff that I do. But, you know, it's a lot of fun, so <laughs> I'm going to do it. I just try to be really careful when I'm riding. And just uh, one of the first things that I learned riding is just pretend you're invisible and just pretend no one can see you because that's the truth. So I just try to be safe and try, you know, try to have fun, but be be safe. That's all you can do. I remember uh, we were going out to film a video in like 2009. It was our old band. And we were behind Kelby. He took his motorcycle out to this field in the middle of Mount Juliet. Which I was a new rider back then. That was a long time <laughs> but ago. But this is really funny. So Kelby was really getting into like, you know, when you're, you're riding, if you pass another motorcycle on the other side or whatever, they get the little two-finger wave kind of thing or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So Kelby's in front of us, and he's on the interstate, and he's going like, he's driving. I'm like, I could see it happening because I'm like, oh, they're, they're going to do the wave. Watch this. So the guy goes like this, and Kelby goes. <laughs> <laughs> we thought, yeah. We've all been there. I was like, We've well, Kelby's about to, we're about to run over Kelby because we're behind him in a huge fan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I thought little, it was all over. Yeah. Slightly nerve-wracking back then. I'm a lot more comfortable on a motorcycle these yeah, days. Yeah, now Kelby's a safe rider. <laughs> now, just want to talk about touring for a minute, because I think you guys play around 140 shows a year, and, and you're on the road for, well, probably, I don't know, about 40 weeks every year. I mean, that's a really, really tough lifestyle, isn't it? But I guess there's no easy road to success, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of been the thing that it's been our bread and butter since we started was just playing shows, you know, when we were trying to get noticed and, you know, at this point it's, it's just how we, you know, it's, it's how we're able to keep the whole thing rolling, how we stay on the bus, how we make sure our crew's taken care of and, you know, trying to get to that second bus to put the motorcycle in. Um, but now we, we love playing shows and, you know, we've been really lucky just with our fan base has continued to grow not only here in the States, but overseas in the UK and in Europe, Germany, um, that you know, we've got a lot of places to go. So if we're going to try and go see everybody, it takes about that long every year and about that many shows, which is great. It's better than flipping burgers, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, every, anytime we get, anytime we get like, you know, the travel will sometimes bog you down a little bit, you know, um, flying and stuff. But for the most part, we try to take the bus everywhere and over in the UK and, and in Europe, I think, it was really fun when we were able to move to buses over there because they have the double deckers. It's a lot of fun because it's so different. I mean, we've been touring the state since we were 19, 18 years old. Um, that's going on like 20 years if you think about it. So it's like when we finally got to go to Europe and the UK, you're seeing like a whole different world, you know? So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's, you know, a lot of people say, you know, when you're, it's like, Oh, I'm so tired of the travel. Like well, we could be on a roof, you know. We could be laying tile. We could be doing whatever. So it's it's a it's a it's a great job. Absolutely, yeah. And just speaking of the UK, you've got your own radio show on Planet Rock. So how are you enjoying that experience as a band? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's uh, we started a um, uh, country fuzz radio here in the states. Uh, got the cool T-shirt, uh, and uh, we were putting that out on Big Machine Radio just to kind of get our feet wet, and then. Planet Rock reached out to us and said, hey, how about a Saturday night show? And let's call it Garage Radio. We said, well, okay, well, that'll get a lot bigger audience than Big Machine Radio over here. So it's been a lot of fun to be able to, to do that and kind of play some cool stuff. And, you know, we, we do an episode every week. And, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's very it's a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. N- nothing like talking crap about our record label. That's good. 
Yeah. All I said was bigger. All I said was bigger audience. (laughs) Do you get um, Do you get to pick your own songs for the show? Yeah. It's a It's a team effort with Planet Rock, and it's you know obviously any radio station. Neil could probably talk more about this than I I can, but um, I'm kind of the funny guy on the on the radio station. Um, But I think any partnership. You kind of come together you're like, okay, this is what our audience likes, and how do you guys fit in? This is what you guys like, and so we kind of come together and put together a, a nice little playlist every week. The great thing about Planet Rock as well is like a lot of them, you can just you can listen to it on a catch-up, so you don't have to wait till Saturday night. You can listen to it whenever you like, and just listening to the last couple, I mean, you played a, a real good mix. You know, there was a cult on there, Led Zepp, Chili Peppers, a real nice mix, and I was, I was just thinking, wow, because people have tried to sort of pigeonhole you as a band, and, and it's impossible to do because you keep kind of moving your style all the time, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where do you hear yeah. the next one? All <laughs> oh, right, okay. Here we go. That's what we love about about the radio show though is it's it's a way to show everybody a lot of the stuff that we grew up on and our influences and things like that you know because it is pretty wide you know and i think that's the reason we sound how we sound it's you know everything from like you said chili peppers to zeppelin to metallica tom petty it's it's all over the map and then all the country stuff too we don't uh we don't get to play quite as much of that on garage radio but there's a lot of that influence too are you educating the rest of the world on the on the countryside Saving the world one song at a time, baby. Okay, lap three. And how do you discover new bands? I mean, do you do you still watch a lot of live music, or do you use Shazam like the rest of us? And whenever you hear a song, oh, I wonder what that is. Man, it's weird. I don't like the Shazam thing. It's like it went away. I don't even think my phone does that anymore. Do you I, not, you, it, I use it all the time. I tried the other day, and Siri didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> she was like, "I don't, I don't understand what's happening." The, the, I think my favorite part to answer your question is when we're playing in a town and we end up at a bar randomly, like a night off or something, and you walk in and there's this amazing artist playing that no in Bozeman, Montana or whatever, nobody would we would never see, and you're like, wow, so this this culture, this thing still exists because we're always playing shows, we're out, so we don't you know we're not going seeking that. So it's it's pretty fun when you just randomly, you know, stumble upon something. I think the last time I can remember we were playing in, uh, man, South Dakota or somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but we all went to this, or it was a, a show after our show at the same bar. And it was a metal show, and two of the bands were from Nashville, and never heard of them. Never heard of them. I walk in, yeah, walk in, and they knew who we were. And we all hung out, talked all night, and watched their bands, and they were, it was awesome. I still talk to a couple of those guys today, you know, because we exchanged numbers. But uh, that's kind of how we find music, and then your 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 normal, like, Spotify playlist and stuff that will turn on a the stoner rock playlist before we're going on uh, at night, you know, on the bus. And I'll be like, oh, that's cool. Mississippi Jones or whatever. What's that band? Oh, uh, Johnson. Five Horse Johnston. Oh, five horse, five horse Johnson. I was like, oh yeah, you know. So you mentioned them in the radio show, I think actually, five yeah. horse Johnson. Yeah, and my, I think yeah. my Shazam moment from the last show that I listened to was actually um, Clutch. I think it was X Ray Vision. How did I miss that song? That's a great song. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so that, who, that who, who, cho- who chose that song for the show? Uh, I did, but it's 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 fun. It's been a fun thing doing the radio show too because. 
you know, we spend so much time working on our own music and stuff like that, that it's actually a really good excuse to go and listen to music and find stuff that either we listened to a long time ago and haven't heard in a while, or, you know, sometimes we're finding a new thing that we just really dig. And so it's, it's been a cool way to kind of refresh my memory on some of the stuff that I grew up on and loved and also explore some new stuff. Yeah, fantastic. So can I ask each of you what your favorite movie is about a band or even the music industry? You know, for me, it's like Spinal Tap, maybe, or Almost Famous. It's right up there. Almost Famous. Almost Famous. Almost famous. <laughs> yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd go with you, Andy, on the uh, Spinal Tap. I, it's kind of, it's kind. I'm a huge Christopher Guest fan, so it's like anything that guy does, um, best in show, all that stuff. I know that's not about music, but... Um, we, me and my wife were doing something the other day. I don't remember what it was, but I just remember thinking, man, they could make an incredible mockumentary on like just how ridiculous people do things. Like, I don't know. I don't I remember what it was, but I was like, man, this would be a great Christopher Guest movie. And she laughed. She said, yeah, I tell you what, look at these idiots. You know, <laughs> it might still happen. It might still happen. What about you, Neil? Favorite band movie, music industry movie? Yeah, I mean it's it is almost famous. I mean that's my favorite one. Definitely the one I've watched the most. It's just, you know, it's when you find yourself on the road, there's so many just little moments that if there was just that camera that was the fly on the wall, they did a really great job in that movie of recreating all of those little things, you know, that a lot of I think for a music fan, somebody that maybe isn't in a band, they get the full experience, you know, and then for somebody that is in a band, it's kind of, you know, the highs and the lows are all in there. And I think that that's something that is, I mean, it's just very relatable. Yeah. The, the Tom Petty running down a dream documentary too. Mm, I mean, that's like you, it's totally relatable as far as what we do. I mean, almost famous too, but it's like a glorified version of what we do. But, um, the Tom Petty thing, you see it and you're like, you wake up in Topeka and you ask each other, are we rock stars here? Like Stan Lynch asked uh, Ben Mon or whoever. And they're like, no, not yet. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's very relatable because, you know, we'll wake up somewhere and we'll be like, oh, we sold 500 tickets. And then the next night we sold 2000 tickets, you know? And so you're like, you never know, man. Yeah, all part of the journey, absolutely. Now, I noticed that you're selling some of your albums on vinyl. Is there a strong demand for this among the fans? Yeah. Yeah, vinyl's been really great for us. You know, I think we've put out all of our records now on vinyl, and it's definitely, you know, I think CDs are going by the wayside a little bit, but it does feel like vinyl's just continuing to have a resurgence, which has been really cool. We still do CDs too, but the vinyl's, you know, really hot. I think vinyl is kind of like alcohol. It's like the last legal drug, <laughs> you know, and we're, and we're slinging it because it's come back I thought, around. I thought that was motorcycling. <laughs> well, I mean, you never know, but I think the vinyl thing is, it's been really fun for us to watch because, you know, growing up in the, I mean, I was born in 1980 growing up. You had, that's all you had was vinyl and, cassette tapes kind of but my parents just had huge vinyl thing so for us to be part of this new resurgence where it's like something's coming back alive again and people are seeking that out it's pretty pretty fun it also allows for a much better display of album cover artwork doesn't it so i was wondering who was responsible for like the artistic direction of the band in in that way all three of us really got some pretty cool covers yeah it's a it's collaboration but it's definitely 
that's the lens that we do look through. Like with the Tabasco and Sweet Tea record, it was like what would look cool on a vinyl, you know, and that's where we kind of ended up going in that direction that we did with, um, you know, which we, we've never really done that before. Most of our other stuff has been more either just kind of logo or photo based, I think. But, um, yeah, it's it's cool, you know, and it's, you know, I've got my vinyl collection right over here and it's all the stuff I grew up on. Uh, and then it's cool to be able to have your own records in there too. One day, you know, our kids will be able to go through and be like, Oh yeah, there's dad's <laughs> vinyl. That's cool. Yeah. That's, I think is awesome. My son's really into he, um, our booking agent before he was even born sent us the, uh, big yellow Jack white record player, like the third man records record player. And, um, I mean, he literally, he'll go down once a week downstairs change his whole collection that he keeps upstairs and usually there's about three um cadillac records in there and then there's like leonard skinner uh stevie wonder you know and he'd change it out every every week and um, he's really into like taking it off putting it on he doesn't want to work the needle though because he thinks it gets too it's going to scare when it comes (laughs) on but uh it's a lot of fun yeah yeah absolutely so back to bikes and and you then for a sec kelby because you mentioned marshall earlier um i haven't seen those bikes up close yet they're not even officially launched at the time of our recording but i I did know about those sound systems i just wanted to ask you out of interest do do the amps on the bikes go up to 11 yeah they do yeah 11 (laughs) they might even go to 12 (laughs) you know um but yeah, the it, no, no. See, but these, these go to eleven. But these go to eleven. <laughs> this goes to eleven. Yeah, they did you get. They did get actually very loud. I did turn them up as as loud as they would go just to see, and they got extremely loud. So it was very cool. I think a good analogy between music and motorcycling is that you never stop learning, and you always need to practice in order to hone your skills. So I wanted to just ask Neil, what advice would you give to bands starting out on the hard road to success? I mean, I think, I think it is all about just playing together. You know, I think if our band is a great example, we've known each other since high school, we've been playing together. Even when we were in different bands, we would get together on the weekends and jam and my parents basement or garage or whatever, and wherever the drum set was really. And then, um, you know, I think over years you start to get tighter. And I think the language that we speak when we play together, you know, it's, it's, it's formed just by, repetition and by different experiences you know it's like we'll be in the middle of a song and jaron will go into a riff that we don't normally go into you know in in a break or something like that and and we just kind of know how to follow each other and that stuff doesn't happen unless you've just spent a lot of time playing together so i think that more than anything that's what it is but i mean you can you know play along to your favorite records that's i think another thing that we did when we were younger um you know lessons are cool too i'm never did as much of that but i think you know just playing to your favorite music that's the thing that kept me into it every single day i'd come home from school and it's all i wanted to do was just play music play drums play to my favorite albums and then when i found other guys that were trying to do the same thing like jaron and kelby it was like well let's do that together and because it's super fun so i mean that's really the name of the game and one day you'll wake up and you've been doing it for 20 years with your best friends and it's pretty awesome which was the best band you guys ever supported when you were up and coming musicians then cz top yeah yeah, ZZ was our first, it was actually our first, we opened for him when we were in American Bang, our last band, but it was the first show we did as the Cadillac Black was opening for them. It was 10 years ago, this June, most recently, and here in Nashville, so we're in the middle of our 10-year anniversary tour right now, and getting to play with ZZ, you know, is 
one of the best three-piece bands ever. You know, you learn so much from that, um, especially being a three-piece band ourselves. I will say, I really, en- I really enjoyed Aerosmith at Download as well. That was yeah, that didn't suck. That didn't yeah, suck. yeah, <laughs> yeah, could do worse. Yeah. So, what about the best band you ever saw live as fans yourselves? Then uh, Wolf Mother's pretty strong. Yeah, they were, we we saw them at Exit in here in Nashville. It was a pretty incredible. You know, it, you kind of go off of shows because there's so many good bands. You know, Mute Math, like one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, I saw Radiohead in Grant Park in Chicago, and just the vibe out there in that crowd was incredible. You know, so it, it, a lot of it's about those moments. You know, I think that's what's so cool about live shows. I think Muse too, man. I saw Muse oh, at yeah. Mercy Lounge. I've seen them a couple times, but I saw I've seen the the arena show, but Years ago, I saw him play this 500-seater club that we kind of came up playing in Nashville. And I just remember thinking, like, we, I, I, we will never be this good. Like, th- this is so good. You know, like, lights, band, everything. And so if you want to see what I'm talking about, there's a harp. Uh, well, I think it's live at Wembley that Muse did. And it's the best filmed live show I've ever seen ever. It's it's incredible. And you saw Muse, uh, you were among an audience of just 500 people. That must yeah. have been amazing because, you know, all the people that I know who've seen Muse always seem to have seen them more than once, but always in big stadiums as opposed to small venues. Well, so it's a classic story of, like, we're obviously bigger in the UK than we are in the States. And... um it was opposite for Muse. I mean, Muse was playing Wembley over there, and then they would come over here, and they played little 300 to 500 seater clubs to start out. Um, and it, it was kind of like the, the 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 secret. If you knew, you knew, or whatever. You find that cool band, and I just remember being like, "Man, this is incredible. This is why this is an arena band playing a small thing." Also, I will say we saw Metallica at the basement in Nashville before Bonnaroo. As a secret show, there's maybe 100 people in there. Kelby was farting until he could get in. <laughs> that will have done your ears, won't it? Goodness me. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was great. All right, that's all we've got time for today. But sincere thanks for coming on Ride and Talk, guys. Good luck with the rest of the tour and keep making that great music. We're going to finish the podcast by playing a bit of the latest Get After It song. Jerem, would you mind introducing it for us, please? Yeah, this is, uh, this is our new song get after it and it's uh it's a fun little ditty with an up tempo kind of groove let's go boys <laughs> 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 